upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose. And he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, well, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. And welcome to Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. I am your host, JP John Paz. With me today is a very special guest. He's a former writer for the PW Torch, and he's now the host of the Wayback Playback Podcast. He is Mr. Pat McNeil. Pat, welcome to the Two Man Power Trip. How are you doing? Well, thank you very much, John. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. It's about damn time, right? I mean, what are we waiting for you? You should have been on a long time ago. Okay. Uh, I'm here now. That's the important thing. <laughs> So what's up? What's going on in your world? What have you been up to? Well, um, the past few years, I've been my wife and I have been raising two kids, and I've been moving up the uh, moving up in the uh, big world of uh, information technology, and uh, and we've been doing the Wayback Playback Show uh, podcast started seven years ago. It was on PW Torch. It was behind a paywall. Jim Valley and I did it together. And we're we're still doing it for the moment. Uh, for the moment, Jim is you know Jim is off, and uh, and but I will be doing it probably with a series of, of guest hosts until until such time as he comes back. And what we do is uh, every week we we do uh, we do one hour of a of a wrestling show, and uh, we you know, we we hit play, we watch along, and we and we talk along, and we uh, we go over everything that was happening at the time. You know, try to. Try to make sense of it all. Try to tie it in, maybe with with stuff that's happening today, and uh, we 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 try to make each other laugh and break character. So that's pretty much what we do. Nice. What did you guys kind of think of this idea? Because it is a great idea. I love the you know the essence of it, the watch along, the going back and kind of reliving it. Well, um, if I can be honest, the watch along wasn't really our idea. Uh, there have been there were other podcasters. I, I know that uh, Wade Keller and Bruce Mitchell did a couple of, of watch-along style episodes. 
back in the, you know back before we came up with this. But you know, I, I was always a fan of mystery science theater and riff tracks, and it just seemed like something that could be you know something that could be done rather easily. I mean, I you have to do the show prep before the show, but when you know once the once you hit play and the the tapes are rolling, you just you just talk and go naturally, and it's fun. And uh, you know, this is also helping me catch up with with wrestling that I haven't seen in in decades. As a matter of fact, one of the conditions to be on Wayback Playback is it has to be a show 15 years old or older. So, so yeah, we we get a lot of uh, got a lot of 80s and 90s, and, and 90s seems to be our, our wheelhouse as of late. Uh, and you know, and uh, and it looks like, although it looks like we're going to end up doing Taboo Tuesday 2004 next, which is uh, I don't know, it's, I don't know if it's a great show, but it certainly is an interesting one. But uh, you know, I I but one of the things that I've been impressed about with the feedback is you know we're we're gathering a lot of these younger fans who have never seen this stuff before. And, um, you know, that's, and I mean, I, I, I love, you know, I love having these, these people, you know, you know, teens, twenties and thirties who have this interest in professional wrestling and its history. But, you know, this is the sort of thing I wished had been around like, like 25 years ago, 30 years ago when I was, you know, when I was trying to, you know, when I was really heavily into pro wrestling and wanted to know and just couldn't stop, you know, reading about it and learning about it. I feel like nowadays there everything's at their fingertips. It's so much easier to become a fan and watch all different genres and anything that you want, old school, new school, whatever you want of wrestling. But you're right, back in the day it was like either you're tape trading or you're you're you know, you're going to your local video store, you're trying to rent tapes, you're trying to figure out some stores had this, some stores had that. Um, like a select WCW section they would only have. Right. They wouldn't have all of them. And it was a little tough back then being a fan. Oh, yeah, it, it was different. Uh, you know, people don't understand that there were video stores, and, you know, sometimes you go in on a – sometimes you go in on a – you know, late on a Friday afternoon, you'd be looking for something, and, okay, like, you know, hey, I haven't seen this. What is this? You know, but, and and sometimes it would be something something cool, and sometimes it would be something pretty awful, you know. But, uh, but you know, usually it was wrestling. Uh, and, and there was a certain amount of excitement, even when like a bad Coliseum video came out, you know, you'd be, you'd be, uh, you'd be revved up to see it. I remember back in the day, obviously you go to the video store and of course, you know, the, the, the dirty section, if you will, is very close to the wrestling section. I always thought it's that always was always that way. Yeah. I always thought that was odd. Like why, <laughs> you know, like wrestling isn't that bad. It's actually really good. Why are you putting it with all this, uh, you know, this stuff that you would deem to be dirty stuff? Why are you doing that? It's special interest. And it's like, it's like, you know, I mean, at the big stores, like the blockbusters, it's always like next to, you know, special interest. You're, you're in there with, with the fishing videos and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the, uh, maybe Denise Austin or somebody, you know, <laughs> just, just something that doesn't really, just something that doesn't really fit. I always feel like it was odd too because it's like there's basically one copy of you know wrestlemania 3 or whatever it is right. and and you know it's next to all this other weird stuff and it's like man why doesn't wrestling get the appreciation that they should you should have 10 wrestlemania 3s and we should be near the the good the action section we should be near the arnold movies well yeah um i mean i i think that i think part of the you know part of the interest in it uh was that you know maybe it was that it was so hard to come by that made it uh that uh, sort of piqued our interest in it, and it was at a time, you know, when, and you know, when I'm when I'm getting into this, it's at a time when one of the major companies, the biggest company, has gotten to great trouble to erase or disappear portions of its history. You know, but 
it's for a while as Vince McMahon was ashamed to admit that there was you know wrestling before Hulk Hogan was champion. Didn't want to talk. Yeah, I mean, you, you didn't you know, didn't have a lot of perspective about Bob Backlund or Bruno San Martino. They were you know they were the they were the enemy for a while. It is so yeah. It is and, weird and that they do the that. Attitude era, yeah, I think during the Attitude Era, we we got into another we got into another phase of that where where uh, WWE WWF tried to pretend that that you know pro wrestling began in '98 when Steve Austin won the Royal Rumble, and and all the build up to him winning the title. But yeah, that, I mean, I, I you know I, I appreciate that this is a lot better having access to uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the history of the business at your fingertips and going back and seeing you know seeing stuff and and you know to to this day you you find something interesting on YouTube and you're like I I can't believe that happened. Yeah. And and there it is. I was just finding out really today cuz I I don't even know how I didn't know this or didn't pay attention to this but Luca Brazzi from The Godfather. He actually Lenny Montana aka Zebra Kid was a wrestler. I, yes. I I don't know why I never put two and two together. I never even thought about it. And obviously, you know, I've seen Godfather one and two are great. Three is not, but right. um, it was just so fun. I was like, wait a second, how is that possible? I He's like be. the biggest wrestler ever to be in a movie. <laughs> you know, like in that in that context, this is probably one of the greatest movies of all time. I mean, yeah, but uh, you know, imagine you're trying to explain to somebody who's, uh, you know, who's I don't know, 22 years old that uh, no, really, the host of the Tonight Show. Was in a wrestling pay per view, and he <laughs> locked up with Hulk Hogan. Like, yep. Yeah, it's just you know if it's or or there was or imagine like like the two best players and you know two of the best players in the NBA right about the same time they're facing off in the finals are doing you know two of the biggest players in the NBA are doing a pay per view match against each other. I mean that 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 happened. And 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 Dennis Rodman blew off a of Chicago Bulls practice to go to to go to uh, to go appear on Nitro, which is uh, which is still one of those amazing things that you know. Uh, it, it, it's hard to believe. I mean, it's it's hard to believe so much has happened. Or you know, or Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, one of the the biggest action movie star of this era, was a professional wrestler and he was great at it. Very true. And did you by any chance see The Last Dance with uh, the uh, Chicago Bulls documentary? I have I've I've seen bits and pieces of it. See, um, part of the part of the thing with having small children is it takes it takes up a great deal of your time. That's something that I didn't understand when I was the one who didn't have children and my friends did. But but now that situation has sort of been reversed, I'm I'm developing an appreciation for it. But I know I, I have there's 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 a lot of stuff I haven't watched, and really, I you know I don't watch as much of the current wrestling as I want to. And sometimes when I see current wrestling, you know, I, I, I'm going, eh, yeah, this would, yeah, I, I, I get that bias of, gee, it was, it was, you know, it wasn't better when I was, you know, it wasn't better 25 years ago, but in a way it was. I bring that up because they have a portion of that documentary where they talk about Rodman skipping out on practice and, and going to WCW and they show some highlights and they show Hogan. And you'd think Jordan would be pissed. You think Phil Jackson would be pissed. They both laughed it off and they have the camera in practice. And Jordan goes, yo, Rodzilla, what's up? You miss, pra- <laughs> you miss practice. So hilariously, obviously Jordan was watching Nitro. So I was like, man, right. I go, that is just awesome. Like, ho- I know Jordan obviously was friends with Flair and, and he's probably had some WCW yeah. loyalties, but I just thought that's awesome. It's like, they didn't even care, and they're on the best team of all time. <laughs> and they're like letting the guy do whatever he wants. It's just crazy to think about it. But it, it, but in essence, Jordan was watching WCW. 
Yeah, well, yeah, and part of it was um, part of it was you know, it, it's Rodman. It's it's Rodman being doing something zany. Okay, well, you know, we we go along with it because of how well he because how well he plays during games. And uh, yeah, part of it was yeah they were yeah part of it was uh, they were interested. You know, they wanted they wanted to see where this was going. With and that and that's kind of the way it was. And uh, even you know even now we have AEW is back and it's. I, it is and isn't competition for for WWE, um, you know. It, but I mean, WWE is bigger, and it's going to take a it's going to it would take a while for uh, AEW to catch up with them in terms of in terms of cash, in terms of you know, in terms of in terms of size and and uh, and and all of that. But uh, it's it's not going to be the same. You know, it's not the same competition as 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 Raw versus Nitro. It's it yeah. You know, I mean, they they put their shows on against each other, just to yeah, you know, I mean, and it, and it was uh, just so that uh, you know, just so just because Ted Turner wanted to see, hey, well, hey, uh, why can't we beat WWE? Well, let's 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 put them head to head. Let's see, you know, let's see our strengths and weaknesses. And um, I mean, it, it that's an era that's that's an era that you're not going to be able to relive really when you had, you know, when when my roommate and I had like. Wired up the the cable system so we had two cable TVs side by side so we could watch Raw and Nitro at the same time. I mean, you're not you're just not going to find that today. And I used to love to either tape Raw or you tape Nitro or you flick back and forth. It was crazy. That's I was more of a did, yeah. I was more of a WCW guy to be honest. I know I'm from New Jersey. I'm from the Northeast. You figured WWF, but I was more of a WCW guy. I was rooting for them all the way through. I mean, the NWO had me hooked. Sting, huge Sting fan. Obviously, Hogan is a god, you know. So there's, I don't know about you, but I know you're you're from the South. But were you well, more WCW? I, well, no, I I you know I was born in Pennsylvania. I grew up in. Uh, oh, I, I thought you were a North Carolina Fairfax, guy. I, I, no, I grew up in Fairfax, Virginia. Virginia oh, okay. I'm from North Carolina. Oh, okay. Um, and I mean Fairfax, Virginia is is a suburb of DC. Um, you know, it uh, it was out in the boonies when we moved there. It, it's now it now is one of the richest counties in the country and it's because it's home to you know a lot of government people but i mean yeah fairfax virginia was dc basically in terms of and dc you know and uh you know, the wwf owned dc they were in fact at one point based in dc they were the capital wrestling corporation and uh you know they're i mean they they tape they tape tv out of dc and broadcast it up you know live on the east coast back in the uh in the 60s and early 70s and uh, yeah, it, it was a w, it was a WWF town. Uh, WCW, you know, I mean, Ole Anderson tried to break in there with with Georgia Championship Wrestling, and the AWA came a couple times, and and you know you had W, and eventually you had uh, you know WCW uh, try to break in. You know, they broke into Baltimore, and then once Turner got hold of them, they uh, you know they started running the started running the Capitol Center. And uh, yeah, they, they had a few good houses, it, but it was mostly yeah, it was mostly a WWF town. I had to graduate high school. I had to move down here, and you know, I had to go to Clemson University. And you know, Clemson University, I mean, you know, uh, 40 minutes from Greenville, South Carolina, which is which is one of the places where uh, Crockett used to tape regularly. Uh, it was it was it was the heart of WCW country. Or NWA country, as it, as people were still calling it. South Carolina. That's where I thought you were from. Because South of the, Carolina. Because of the because of the Clemson. Uh, didn't realize you were from. Kind of, you're basically a northerner. You're basically from uh, the Northeast. Yeah. Uh, well, 
Yeah, um, Northern Virginia. If you're a, if you're a Southerner, Northern Virginia is considered part of the North. But uh, but you know, um, I mean, tech, but technically, for for a lot of people from the uh, from like your area, you know, they consider the Mason Dixon line the the point between uh, North and South, and uh, that would be uh, that would be once you cross over into Maryland. So you were more of a WCW guy, though, or were you a WWF I, guy? Like, which which did you like more I, I during the wars? A, well, I you know at when I got down here, I was a uh, I was a I became a WCW guy because it was it was more interesting. I mean, nothing wrong with nothing wrong with the WWF, but uh, th- this was different, and it was fun, and it seemed like it seemed like their wrestling had more action because it did. You know, it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't as character based. It wasn't where it wasn't where okay here here's Coco beware and he's going to go out and you know he's going to go out and he's going to do his dance and have Bird and uh, and and hit his finisher and and win, you know you you get to see I mean it, it was a different style and it was a more yeah you know, and it you know sometimes it felt more intense and that was and and there was more interest in tag team wrestling because you had the Steiners, uh, I mean the, the Steiners you, know, you had the Road Warriors for a while. Uh, you had the various teams that, uh, you know, the various teams like the Midnight Express that went against them. It, it was uh, like, it's, like I said, it was different. When you are like, basically before you become a fan, like before you really get into it, how do you get into it? How did you become a fan? Um, it's, I, w- I was trying to, I was trying to think this and I, I knew you were going to ask, you know, you were, no, I knew you were going to ask about it. I, I think once I decided I wanted to write, um, then you start to get when once you get that way you start get interested in in storytelling and 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 you know I, I had an interest in, in comic books and there's there are as has been, as has been pointed out there are a lot of similarities between between comic books and wrestling mm-hmm. you're telling a, a serialized story that you know for various reasons can never end or at least or at least you know it, it only ends when you go out of business so true. yeah, true. I think that's I think that's what held my interest in it. it it's yeah, I mean it's not a sport, but if you were going to design a sport, you know, how would you do it? How would you uh, you know how, how would you uh, how would you tell these stories? And and a lot of it is is good versus evil. I mean there are variations on it, but you know it's 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 superheroes and supervillains. At least it used to be. So what was the first like the first thing you saw in wrestling, the first thing that made you fall in love with wrestling? Um, I mean, I knew about wrestling, you know, and I, and I had friends who watched it when I was growing up. I, I think I, you know, I think I really got into it around 18 years old. And, uh, you know, it, it was one of those, um, you know, started it was late. One of those, yeah, I started late by, by those standards, but you know, I, but uh, once I was there, it, you know, I, I went all in to uh, borrow a phrase from um, <laughs> from AEW and, and from Debo Sweeney, for that matter. And, uh, you know, I ended up. Uh, let's see. So I ended up at uh, at at uh, 24 years old, becoming a wrestling manager and, uh, you know, and working the indies and, you know, and. uh at uh you know, moved I ended up moving back to Virginia for a while and uh you know took took my act there uh ended up becoming a uh becoming a a promoter at least a, a part promoter with my friend Shane Shadows around uh you know 1999 and did that for another uh let's see geez another 8 9 years yeah 
before before uh, before I met my wife, and we we moved first to Richmond and then back down to South Carolina. Wow, a uh, manager and a promoter. I had no idea. That's really interesting. Any success yes. uh, as far as you know, making money as a manager and then making money as a promoter? Um, the first show I was scheduled to work as a manager. This was down in uh, this was down in Aiken, South Carolina. They got a sold show at a uh, community college. So I get so we all get there, and and this is actually you know I I was starting to think all indie shows were like this. We get there backstage is laid out. You know they were, they they took over I think one of the uh, one of the one of the theaters. You know where where people put on plays. So they set up the wrestling set up the wrestling stuff on the stage. And it, it's very nice. You go back there. They have like, you know, they have like, you know, it, it's not catering, but they have like sandwiches and, and sodas laid out for you. It's like, OK, this is very nice. And I get there and, you know, and, and uh, the guy who's running the show is like, who's he? Oh, this is my, this is my manager. This is uh, this is Pat. And he goes, oh, um, say, have you ever refereed before? Their referee hadn't shown up and there was literally no one else there to do it. So. So, yeah, that so my first show and I'm a referee. And uh, probably the only probably the only match probably the only match involving people you would have heard of on the night was uh, Bambi versus Peggy Lee Leather. But uh, yeah, hmm. it was yes, and, and of course, yeah. I, and of course, I have been smartened up not at all. So. Really? How come you weren't smartened up? Well, they weren't gonna. I mean, they didn't know me. They they weren't gonna tell the the secrets of the business. Um, they're just like, well, well act act naturally. Uh, did. Plus, there weren't any any uh, there weren't any angles really until the main event. So yeah, so so it's like uh, yeah for the main okay, all right. Do I have to do anything for the main event? Uh, and and uh, JD Justice, I believe, was the booker. And JD comes over to me and goes, "No, you know what? You know what? Uh, you know what? Just just act naturally." Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm like, "Well, is there going to be? Is, I, I mean, are you guys going to come in, come in? You know, just 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 act naturally. I'll tell you what, you know." I'll bump you. And I'll tell you when to go down. I was like, okay, that sounds great. All right, so so we're in the main event, and the the good guy has the advantage. He's going to win the title. JD and his partner hit the ring. Hit the ring. I, I turn around. You know, I hear them coming in the ring. I turn around. Pow! He runs over me. You know, knocks me. He runs over me with a shoulder block, and he's stomping on me. Oh, I guess that's how he was going to tell me I was going down. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Damn. You you, yeah. you would think, especially nowadays, they would probably tell you like ten times in the back, "Oh yeah, they're going to do this," and you know they'd oh, work it out a million yeah. times. Yeah, because it's uh, it's not uh, it's not the closed system that it was back then. Yeah. And I, I mean, even even like a couple of years later, you know, I, I'm backstage at the show and I'm shaking hands and they're like, "Hey, he didn't do the dead fish right." I'm like, "Yeah, okay. <laughs> he, you know, he, he, yeah." It's like, "Oh, come on." <laughs> And they was like, "Oh, come on! You know, he's he's worked with us before. Give him a break." The, uh... I mean, but yeah, I mean, as a manager, I, I was bas- I was a loudmouth, and um, you know, I, on the occasions when uh, when I had, I, I mean, I, I wasn't going to get any offense in. I mean, other than yeah, other than you know, choking and and uh, and distracting and crappy stuff like that. So I I tried to do a good job when I had to bump. That was that was the important thing. Nice. Getting knocked off the apron, or just yep. you know, just going down hard. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, the, the first bump was easy. If somebody runs you over, you just act naturally. Boom! Oh crap! Yeah, that hurt. Yeah, yeah. Did some. So that that that's the trick. Is I mean, that is the if there is a trick to bumping, and I, I God knows I'm no expert. It's just it's just reacting naturally. Yes, totally agree. 
had had some experience doing some indie managing myself. I feel like everybody, right? They could do some indie managing and oh, yeah. had these guys really, really, especially this guy PQ. I mean, he would really break down the psychology. We're in the second match uh, for one of the shows, and he's like, no, there's no bumping. You're in the second match. We'll, we'll do something. Like, they, they really, really explained everything to me, which I thought was great. Um, then the first time I actually get to be a manager on the show, I, I get there in the locker room and, uh, you know, my guy's in the second match and the lead manager on the show is Daryl Van Horn, AKA James Vandenberg, AKA the sinister minister, Jim Mitchell. I'm like, okay, nice. okay. I'm going to I'm not going to get a lot of mic time here or, or any for that matter. So. That's pretty amazing, though, to think about it. Cause I didn't know you were indie manager and then a promoter too. I mean, that's, uh. Pretty well, great. Like so I, you mean we went like all was, in? It's not like I was a it was. It's not like I was a financially successful promoter. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe an artistic success on a few occasions, but that's about it. When you stopped promoting, was it, is it lack of funds or whatever? You just or you know you just can't put you through your hat I, and you kind of give up. I was moving too far away. That's you know, and uh, didn't you know uh, wasn't really. You know, thought about it. wasn't really looking to to start up something without the people I was working with. So, yeah, that's that's sort of languished. And you know, I'm I'm not really at a point where I'm going to do that. I mean, uh, you know, my my wife was supportive of of you know of indie wrestling and me working for the torch for a while, and um, and she's supportive of the podcast. But you know, having me go out on a on a Friday night to promote an indie show, you know, when and leaving her with two kids, that's that's you know not a good look. You don't want to do that. So how'd you get into the torch? Uh I just you know the torch got online and you know they asked to submit stuff and I kept submitting stuff. That's really all there was to it. To and, Wade. You know, to Wade Keller, yes. Well he was the guy yeah, he was the guy who made the decisions and still is. Did he immediately like your stuff or one of the things were like, yeah, let's see if you got any more good you know, good stuff up your sleeve, or was he immediately enthralled with your work? I don't think he was immediately enthralled with my work. No. Um, I want to say I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get the. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get the timetable more or less right. So you know, I, I did a few with what they used to call guest columns, which is just you know readers, you know readers write in and they and and you know they print the art and you know Wade put up the article on the site. That was, yeah. You know, that there was, yeah. You know, there was filler back then. Uh, yeah, eventually, uh, you know, they, they said, well, "Well, we're looking for correspondence for, you know, to cover certain shows for us." And uh, let's see, I, you know, I, I wrote in saying I would be interested in doing. Uh, I wrote in saying I would be interested in doing ECW, ECW on TNN. Uh, but what what had happened was, uh, the guy who was doing the reviews of WCW Thunder for the Torch died. And Wade was without somebody and asked, hey, you know, would, would you be interested in doing this? And I said, OK, well, we'll give it a try. And uh, this was in the year 2000. And I want to say that the first show I did was the first show of Bischoff and Russo uh, with their first Thunder, uh, to, you know, when they're supposed to be a team. And I did the reviews. I, I reviewed these shows for for months. And uh, I mean, it uh, you know, 
Wade Wade liked them. It gained, you know, there, there were people who who thought they were funny. Uh, Mike Tanay even referenced my uh, Stevie Ray glossary once on Thunder itself. I, I put in a, I would start adding stuff to the reviews like a Stevie Ray glossary, which is a you know de- a list of terms and definitions used by Stevie Ray for people who don't understand them. People forget that Stevie Ray was was a commentator back then. Fruit booty, uh, yeah. sucker, squack a yak. Yes. Yep. Yes. Suckers got to know. <laughs> he was actually pretty good. I don't know why. I always thought he was entertaining as a commentator. He was entertaining, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's. I mean, that's a lot of what you you can ask for a color commentator, and you need something entertaining when the stuff is so often disjointed that it yeah you know, and confusing. So, Did you ever think that he was trying to break Tony at some point? Because he would say like, "Tony, look over here, Tony, you see that?" Like he would, I could tell, was trying to make Tony laugh for sure. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think he wanted to. I think he wanted to keep Tony entertained and, and cheer him up because uh, I know Tony was having a Tony was having a rough time near the end of WCW when when things had had gone downhill when Scott Hudson you know, was put a was made play by play guy for Nitro and and you know, Tony was stuck on thunder so yeah i i uh i i think i think it was i think it was friendly on on stevie's part yes with but, uh yeah I, and and literally um i, I want to start also on the first show and this was remember this is the uh this is on the east coast this is when they're you know this is bischoff and russo's first thunder they they had there was no thunder the week before there was no nitro the week before because they were resetting everything for bischoff and russo they come out and they air two segments out of order on TBS. So, like, you know that one of the Vianos is going to unmask as, as Jeff Jarrett and hit Sting with a guitar. You know, they show the highlights of it like a half hour before the match actually airs because WCW. Damn. I don't remember that. And, and it's funny, I watched religiously at that point. Me and a buddy of mine, we were obsessed with the, the relaunch. We really thought Bischoff and um, and Russo could work together. Obviously, that was way off and way misguided. But, damn, I don't remember that. But that's horrible. That's, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, but it, it's kind of what you uh, it's kind of what you got back then. Also, back then, they had uh, on TBS the uh, the second screen experience where, where if you – and this is crazy – if you watch this – if you watched Thunder while you were looking at your computer screen on the TBS Thunder site, there would be like, you know, there would be like uh, side information and stuff that you could look at that matched up with what was going on on the show. They were very proud of this. <laughs> Damn, that's just crazy. So fi- finally, in February of 2001, uh, I-, I became a Torch columnist. And uh, then, you know, then we went on to... Uh, you have 17 glorious years, as Larry Zabisco would say. Love Larry. Uh, as far as you, like, writing Thunder and stuff, did you think, like, okay, this hopefully will lead to writing other stuff, or were you okay with writing Thunder? Because it wasn't, the you know, the best show that they put on, and it definitely um, got worse and worse. I I wanted to write other stuff, and as it turned out, I did, so. I mean, I, I I wasn't I wasn't saying give me a you know I wasn't writing in and saying give me a column give me a column give me a column but you know I I made it clear that I'd be open to writing other stuff. Do you have to have like a relationship with Wade or is this just you send in the stuff he accepts it and 
That's what he yeah, wants. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's more of what it's like. I ended up having a relationship with Wade, but, um, you know, there, I mean, even while working with Torch, there's, you know, while working for the Torch, there would be like, you know, uh, literally a month or two where I'd only hear from Wade via email. So, and, you know, and showing up for the round table. What do you think about that? You think that Wade needed to make some more time for you or what? Um, I, no, Wade, Wade has and had a lot going on back then. So, um, plus, you know, once, once I, I, once I'm out from under the torch and I'm trying to do this podcast on my own and trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to distribute it and do, and, you know, get advertising and all that sort of thing. I, I appreciated what Wade was going through a lot more than I did when I was just a, what just a columnist. So, yeah. With the torch and with Wade, what do you kind of think of him overall? You know, obviously people have their different opinions. What do you think about just him, the structure of the torch and the way it was? Um, I think the structure of the torch is, is kind of the same as it was. I mean, it's evolved, but it's not that different from, from where it was when, you know, when I left a few years ago. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, I've, and I think what, you know, it, it evolved from from the 90s when I was a subscriber to, you know, the point where, you know, Wade was grading the, you know, I mean, you know, one of the part of the newsletter was grading the TV shows each week, grading Raw, grading Nitro. Uh, I think uh, I, I don't think the Torch is, is giving out grades for SmackDown and Dynamite anymore. And I think there's a there's an emphasis on podcasting that obviously wasn't there when I started, uh, you know, a, a big emphasis. And, and um you know the, the focus of the podcast has changed based on what people are interested in, but I mean it's 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 kind of the same structure. It's the same torch. I, I think I think Wade has done probably better than than anybody else who has uh, who has covered the business like he has. Is uh, you know he is he saved all those he saved and archived and put up all those back issues and all those podcasts and all those roundtables, and when you subscribe, they're all there. Uh, you know, you don't have to, you know, and you're not waiting for, uh, you're not waiting for the old stuff to show up like you are on say, oh, I don't know, Peacock. I mean, it's, I mean, the, the entire, you know, pretty much the entire Torch library is there. Now there are some parts of it that are harder to find than others, but it's all there. What do you, and think? I think that's an, and I think that's, you know, that's an incredible resource. I, I mean, I, I mean, it's helpful for me when I'm doing the Wayback playback when I go here, oh, we, we don't have Meltzer's, uh. We don't have Meltzer's newsletter for that week for whatever reason. They haven't put it up yet for 2004. But uh, hey, here's uh, you know here's Wade Keller stuff, and and I think Conrad Thompson has figured out the same thing. So yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a it's a valuable resource for you know, it's a valuable resource for anybody looking to do, you know, any any sort of podcast about the history of the business, especially if you're trying to cover the 90s and the Monday Night Wars. I was going to say, what do you think about? Not like a rivalry, but was there anything where maybe a professional rivalry with the Torch and the Observer? Um, I think that um, I don't know. You you always wanted to do your best, you know. Um, and uh, if you and I think there's a rivalry in terms of of landing news, you know that that really isn't there anymore. I mean, the breaking news is, um, you know, there there might be twenty, you know, a site. There might be 20 different stories that get broken by by 20 different sites, you know, in this modern era. Um, I, I know that uh, you know 
Wade wanted to be recognized uh, on, on on the basis of his own work as and not for being, you know, hey, here's another guy who has a newsletter who's friends with Dave. Although they, you know, although they've obviously communicated over the years. And um I know that, you know, I know that sometimes a lot of times Bruce Mitchell acted as, you know, especially in the later years, acted as sort of a go-between when Wade and Bruce wanted to pa- when Wade and Dave wanted to pass messages to each other. Uh, you know, when when Dave Meltzer, uh, you know, there were only a couple times when I heard indirectly from Dave Meltzer when when Dave you know when Dave passed something along to Bruce, hey hey say Pat say you know tell Pat that uh, he was wrong about this or yeah tell Pat that this was a good column yeah but that that was about it. Do you think that they got along, or do you think that there was a little bit more? Because they never really seemed like they were buddy buddy, Wade and Dave. Um, I think that they were closer back, you know, when when Wade started the newsletter. But I mean, I, I wouldn't say that they're buddy buddy, but uh, you know, they, I mean, you know, they know who each other is. I mean, they have a they have a they have a good healthy respect for each other. They, it, it's 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 a different product. They're 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 diff- they have different styles to what they do. Um, you know, I mean, Dave Meltzer is going to spend, you know, 8,000 words on an obituary and Wade Keller isn't. He's going to cover what's going on, you know, what's going on that week and not take those deep dives in his newsletter, although he might on a podcast. Yeah. I think maybe the podcast would equalize things a little more. I just always thought, because I interviewed Wade a while back, but it was just funny talking about, like, the differences between them and the star ratings, how Dave kind of took it in one direction, and Wade kind of put his really on the back burner. I mean, he would put him out there, but he wouldn't yeah. kind of make it, uh, I don't know, polarizing or sensational or anything. So it was just I just always thought that was an interesting thing. It was like, he Wade almost, like, laughed about it. It's like, yeah, his star ratings are like uh, a beast among themselves. I stay away from that kind of stuff. Yeah, and and I think uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I I talked about the with him, but when I would you know, when I would rate pay per views, which was which was and is a big thing, um, you know, the score really didn't matter as much as you know how you felt about it and whether you whether you thought it was you know whether you thought it was worth worth you know paying for worth watching or not worth watching, or or you know or just a waste of time. Um, you know, I I, I mean, I never focus too hard on well you know i never spent like 15 minutes deciding well is this a 7.0 show or an 8.0 show you know it's just it's just you know get in get in all the things you have to say about the show and and what's going on and what it means and then get out do you think that the star ratings just in general have gotten just crazy i mean people are really divulging a lot of time into them well, um, I, I think I tell a joke about it each week on Wayback Playback when I, you know, ask people to rate the podcast, and, and I do like people rating the podcast from wherever they get it in, and you know, put in your five, six, or seven star reviews, because I mean, the, you know, the the, the the top mark was five stars, and now you can go up. Apparently, you can go up as high as seven stars if you if you feel that the match deserves that. But I mean, people forget that you know, the match rating was originally zero to four stars. And you know the, the five star when, when Dave Meltzer rated something five stars, I think the first time it was controversial. So it just it just sort of evolved. It just sort of evolved over the years. And I mean that because and you know, I mean and you go back and see match ratings whether it's you know whether it's for Dave Meltzer or from Wade Keller for matches you know twenty twenty five thirty years ago. I mean you know sometimes these matches don't hold up. They're not in you know they're they're designed to be in context for when you watched it. 
I mean, what's a five-star match then isn't a five-star match today. And, you know, and there's matches that, you know, weren't really appreciated that you know, we watch them way back, play back, and like, hey, that was good. I feel like a lot of times, though, now, more now, that the star ratings have gotten just out of control with, like, six stars, five and three quarters. I mean, I know it doesn't matter. It's one man's <laughs> subjective opinion, but it's, exactly. it's just it gets a little crazy like oh brian danielson never had a five-star match before oh now he does like <laughs> it's oh, like and, crazy and, I, and honestly i thought he had i mean i thought his match with john cena at that one SummerSlam that was you know that was if that wasn't five stars it was very close to five stars in terms of in terms of a you know main event of a major wwe show doing what it was meant to accomplish oh absolutely i mean he's had so many it's just funny to think about it if you go back to ring of honor it was a big ring of honor fan oh, yeah. i could literally you know just list off like nigel homicide kent uh, uh his match against takeshi morishima matches really good i mean he's had right. so many but it's just oh, funny it's like matches were great yeah oh unbelievable and it's funny like some of them he didn't rate some of them he didn't see uh, or some he get four and three quarters so I don't know, it's the unified match against Nigel McGuinness is definitely five stars. And then he said, oh, I had to take um, a half a star away because of the unprotected headshots or something. Yeah. But then there's another match that did the same thing. And he gave it, like, it's just so weird just and jumbled. Yeah. yeah you, I mean, you, but, but, it, but that's, you know, I mean, but that's what, what somebody felt in the moment. I mean, they're, I mean they look at the. The Rock versus Hulk Hogan match at WrestleMania 18. There's there's all sorts of opinions on it. There's people who thought it was one of the greatest matches of all time. There's people who you know, there's people like me who thought, well, you know, it was, I mean, it was fun and it was good. I wouldn't say you know, there there were better matches on that show. It, it, I mean, it's 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 your opinion, and you know, as long as you, what's important is you throwing out, you know, giving giving folks a basis for your opinion. And just sort of having a baseline, so if people haven't seen the show, uh, you know they you know they know what your rating means and what you know, and and hopefully can draw a conclusion from it. That match, I gave away. I mean, he only gave that match three stars. I gave it way higher. Just the crowd reaction alone was nuts for Hogan Rock. I mean, the crowd reaction obviously raises it a lot. Yes, that's. I mean, that's you know, that's one of those that's. Uh, that's one of those that's that's hard to match even today. I mean, you even today you go back and you and you look at the and you look at the face. You know, I remember watching them face off, and and you get the goosebumps when you see them them squaring off, and you know the interaction between them and the fans. So yeah, I I mean it was it was a fantastic moment, um, and 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 it's good that the you know, it's good that that I mean not every spot in that match hit, not everything looked crisp, and you know. And, and perfect, but uh, you know, it did what uh, was intended to do. And you know, people forget, and they want to forget how awful some of the story was leading up to that match. Like, okay, Hulk Hogan runs over the Rock with a semi truck. Literally, that's what happened. You know, that's. I mean, come on. It was crazy buildup. Yes. Yeah. And then Rock was fine when he showed up to this. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. I just, to myself, I always gave that match way higher. I know he only gave it three. You go back to WrestleMania five, him and uh, Hogan Savage, he only gave it like two and a half or two and three quarters or something. Yeah, I, like, I thought on. it was. I, I thought it was better than that. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously, but then again, if you were watching WrestleMania five, obviously that's that's the highlight of the show. It was meant to be the highlight of the show, and it was one of their. I mean, it was one of their better matches, and they've had a bunch of them. 
It's just funny because I know it's one guy's opinion, but I always wanted to do a show where I go back and re-rate all the matches. Some of them I would probably agree with, but I and I and I used to print out every year. I used to print out like all the matches because I would use it as a guide. Like, okay, I want to make sure I watch all, all, which is still great as a guide. But then I was like, oh man, I would change that, or wow, that wasn't that good, or like wow, that was even better than I thought. So I always kind of think about stuff like that. Like a lot of the matches this year or last year, actually the last few years that he rated five stars, I went back and watched. I was like, oh man, mm-hmm. Ooh, like all the Adam Cole matches, are like oof, man, not good. They're just, I mean, they were okay, but I was like, yeah, probably three stars. He gave it like five and a half. I'm like, come on, like oof. Yeah, I mean. Okay, people people have their favorites, and that's and that's yep. okay. I I I mean I I like Adam Cole. I I remember like the first Ring of Honor DVD where they had uh, Adam Cole and uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly do a promo, and it was just god awful. And I mean, you know, it, I mean, <laughs> it was as you know, it was as it was as bad as anything you would put on a on an indie DVD, perhaps. And I mean, it's just just looking how much better they are, how much more confident they are in front of the microphone, and I mean the way their work, you know, the way their work has evolved, and you know, and I'm going to say improved. Uh, you know, it's it's great. Just not a big fan of of that style where it just like you throw psychology out the window and like yeah. uh, just for instance, Cole and O'Reilly, they did the uh, spot where. Cole went to kick O'Reilly and O'Reilly caught the foot, but Cole slapped his leg anyway. I was like, man, stuff like that. I was like, you gotta get like some sort of psychology going. You're like, you yeah. can't do that. That doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. Even Ciampa yeah. and Gargano, like they would just take it to the, to a level where it's like, like there's no way you could possibly get up. Oh, two and three quarters. Oh, we kicked out. Oh, like, oh, I'm gonna drop him on the floor on the concrete. Like, oh, he still kicked that. It was, I hate when they do that. And it's, it's definitely Shawn Michaels' fault, partially, because I, he used to do that in his matches, too, where it's like yeah. psychology starts to get to a point where it's not believable anymore. And it's like you right. keep building, building, building. It's like, oh, man. Well, and I think part of that is, you know, you and I um, who have watched, you know, the more wrestling you watch, the more critical you are of the stuff you see. I mean, well, and, and maybe critical is the wrong word, but you start, you know, you, you know what's good and you start measuring against other stuff you've seen in the past. And that's, that, that's a much higher bar, you know, than to, if, when you're, when you're, when you've seen, you know, all of the, all of the good matches and, you know, and some of the horrific ones over, over a 20 or 30 year span. And you've got all those running through your mind. It, it's harder to, it's harder to stand out. It's hard. And it's, you know, and it's easier to see through stuff. I feel like, I don't know, Dave should be uh, more cognizant. I mean, come on, he's watched more wrestling than anybody. Yeah, but I, I think that I think that what, I mean, I think from reading Dave that what he thinks is, you know, if, I mean, even if, if, even if it's not your cup of tea, if the crowd is into it and really, in, you know, the level of the crowd that's into it, you have to, you know, if they're really into it, you have to, you have to appreciate that it's working because the whole point of a wrestling match is to evoke an audience reaction. Absolutely. What do you think like about leaving the tour? Like when you, when you left, was it amicable? Was it okay? You you know, you obviously got very busy. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. I didn't have, I didn't really have time to do it anymore. I mean, there, you know, I mean, you know, I'm up with a small baby and I, you know, and I mean, 
it's it's me and my wife and I I missed WrestleMania. I mean I I didn't watch it live, and you know there was just no there was just no way I could there was just no way I could do that. I mean, you know, and uh, yeah, I, so I mean th- there wasn't really a you know there wasn't really an argument on my part that yeah, I was I've been doing all this work. I mean it's it, you know your work falls I mean my work had fallen off. I was I didn't have the I didn't have the time necessary and you know. Time is kind of an important thing when you've been covering this business. I mean, time, you know, I mean, you you do all these podcasts. If you were trying to, you know, if you were trying to, if you had a baby in the house and you were trying to work a, you know, a 40-hour-a-week job and, and do, you know, do a lot of other things, that would eat into your podcasting time. True. Yeah. Very true. You got your shoot job. You got other stuff going on. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. busy. Yeah, plus – Plus, I mean, I, I think to to an extent, it's it's sort of a young man's game. I, you know, I can't stay. I'm I'm not really in a position where I could stay up till eleven o'clock or midnight sometimes east on the East Coast to watch a pay per view, and then go and do a one hour podcast about that and expect to wake. And I'm going to have problems waking up at six o'clock so I can go to work. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah. Especially when WB pulls those like all nighter. Yeah, which which, which, on, I, on. which they don't do as much anymore, and thank and thank goodness for that. And it looks like we're going to get another two night WrestleMania just to, you know, just to hammer the point home. Um, that was one of those things that I, I saw coming a few years ago, but I, I and I and I know that they resisted it. But I think what probably has finally convinced them is, holy crap, we can sell two nights worth of tickets. Yeah, yeah, it's very true, and. I think last year it was at twenty five thousand and twenty thousand. So I mean they and sold, that pan- and that's in a pandemic, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So forty five thousand, fifty thousand tickets over two nights, pretty good considering the circumstance. And I mean they're going to do, they're, I mean they're going to do, you know, probably do a much bigger business this year. Yeah. Dallas. They're, they're, in, they're in Dallas, right? Yeah. yeah Hundred thousand I mean, people. That's where they had there. their. That's where they had their biggest WrestleMania crowd ever. So. Yeah, I think I think. Uh, I think you can expect that. Um, plus, you know, they're not going to have, they're obviously not going to have takeover the night before WrestleMania to, uh, you know, to distract from it. So, yeah. What do you think about Rock versus Reigns at Mania next year? Uh, if they're going to do it. I mean, I think it's going to, I think it's going to bring back some people who haven't been watching. I mean, the, the chance to see Rock do it. Yeah. I mean, cause there's going to be, there's going to be some sort of build for it. They're going to have to put Rock on TV and um, I, I think it will I think it will up uh, Roman's game in terms of trying to keep up with Rock on promos the same way it made Cena improve on promos trying to keep up with the Rock. So I think it's going to be good on that level. Uh, I mean it, but I mean the the bad part is having Rock there. It just showcases how awful a lot of the promos are, especially you know a lot of the written, scripted, memorized promos. I mean, and the, the Rock does have his, you know, the Rock does have his own writer, you know, writer that he can call on, and he can probably, you know, he can probably pay Brian Gewertz and get him to to help him with some stuff. But uh, he was he was he was a great promo, and yeah, you know, it uh, and almost from the very beginning. Do you think that Brock and Roman, like that's putting that storyline now? Do you think they should have waited, or do you think this is the right timing? Did it need to happen right now? Because I know they're going to wrestle like Crown Jewel. Well, if they're going to do Rock and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, then yeah, they they need if you know, they need to do Brock at Crown Jewel. 
I think I think Brock is back because they needed something for Crown Jewel, and you know, given the amount of money that's involved, they want to put on a special show. I mean, the people in Saudi Arabia might be like, "Oh crap, we get Reigns and Brock again," but uh, you know, I think I think um, I mean Brock Lesnar is Brock Lesnar is special. Uh, he he was special during his first run in WWF, after all, or WWE. Uh, you know, I I think that. Uh, I mean, I think that he's somebody that that people want to see on the rare occasions that he does wrestle. Uh, he, you know, he, he, you know, and and he works in in short bursts, and you know, there's not a lot of there's not going to be a lot of wasted motion or, or rest holds or anything like that. I mean, here's a guy, you know, here's a guy who at one point could lay claim to being, you know, the UFC heavyweight champion, and which makes you the you know the legit tough guy of that style. Uh, and nobody would argue, and nobody was going to argue before that that Brock Lesnar wasn't a tough guy. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's 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 a you know it's going to be a challenge. Uh, outdoor shows are always a challenge, and you know, and uh, but I, I think uh, Roman and Brock are going to be determined. You know, at least Roman will be determined to put on a, a heck of an effort. Do you think Reigns is the best wrestler in wrestling right now? I don't. I think that. I think that, uh, you know, you don't need your champion to be the best wrestler in wrestling. You do need to be your champion to be somebody that you can make that argument for. You know, I mean, you know, if you want to make the argument that, you know, I mean, if Michael Cole wanted to say, you know, Roman Reigns, boy, you know, in, in well, you know, in big matches, there's nobody better. He's just, you know, he's just so tough. He's got, you know, he's on this incredible hot streak. You know, I, I, I don't need to believe that Roman Reigns is the greatest champion of all time. But I mean, is is he really good at what he does? Yeah, I think. I mean, is you know within the WWE style, is there anybody who could do the job Roman Reigns is doing better than Roman Reigns? Eh, I I don't know. I mean, it's 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 something. Yeah, you know, but if he can make the case for your guy being the best at what he does, that's that's really all you need. I feel like he's been on such a unbelievable role like anybody he's in there with he's having a good match montez ford's having a good match with him obviously yeah. finn balor edge i mean daniel bryan obviously for uh for his retirement match that was great just anybody in there he's just absolutely on fire i feel like he's got to be not he doesn't have to be the champion but i feel like it, it's just he's the you know the hogan of this era he, he's the centerpiece right I, I feel sorry for him in, in a lot of ways because you know Right now, he's—I mean—he's not getting the audience that uh, you know he would be getting if it was a different era. I think that uh, you know, I think that a lot of people are you know are tired with the way of the way that you know, Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn present professional wrestling in 2021, and you know they then they maybe don't see that you know there aren't a lot of new ideas being put forward. Uh, and I, I mean, I think that hurts him. But I mean, I, I think if you're watching, if you happen to be watching Peacock on a Sunday night and Roman Reigns is working, you know, is working a main event, you're going to see something that's really good. Do you think that they have enough challengers? I mean, because you got Lesnar now. Like after that, do they have enough to lead up to The Rock at Mania? Are they going to stretch out this Lesnar feud? I feel like Reigns yeah. has got to be priority number one. They're good. I mean, you you look at their history; they're they're going to stretch this out. I think. I mean, I, I don't see how they I don't see how they they can't stretch it out. 
Um, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, there. I'm sure there are a couple more guys they can find for for Reigns to to fill in, you know, and to and to fill time. But uh, you know, you're you're at the point where you're really going to have one more feud for for Roman Reigns before he starts seriously before things got to get to start being serious about him on the rock. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's pretty much gotta be, you know, if, if you're going to squeeze Brock Lesnar in, now's the time to do it. What do you think about the new NXT NXT 2.0? My, I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it. I was going to say my favorite I, I part. Don't, I don't see a lot of, you know, I don't get to watch a lot of wrestling and NXT has not been on my priority list for, you know, for a while and you know especially not since it went to two hours and just you know it 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 stopped being what it stopped being what it was um it was you know it was interesting watching guys you know you're watching guys you're watching all these guys who have potential you're watching some of them the best of them supposedly come up to the main roster and get on rock Ron SmackDown and become big stars. And when that stopped working and it was obvious that it stopped working and they started letting guys go backward from the main roster to NXT, you know, it's, it's, uh, it loses something. And when guys started leaving NXT, you know, guys who had been the guy in NXT go up to the main roster and it's not working because, you know, because Vince doesn't see what, uh, you know, what they were in NXT as being anything worth recognizing then it killed it. I don't know the exact moment when it killed it, but um, you know, somewhere between Bobby Roode and Andrade, probably. It is definitely different. The one thing that I see about this NXT is that they have one very, very bright star that I could see being the, you know, like Lesnar in 02, the guy comes up and just is just dominant and not necessarily world champ right away, but I mean, I could definitely see this guy being a big star, and that's Rick Steiner's son who, for yeah. whatever reason, they call Braun Breaker, and his original name was Rex Steiner. So I was like, man, that's awesome. Well, that's so cool. I mean, his real last name is Rex Steiner. So, yeah. You know, yep. So, yeah, that would, I mean, so, yeah, that would make uh, make a ton of sense. But, uh, I mean, he's even wearing Rick's 1992 gear. I mean, he literally, he's like, he's the yeah. Steiner brother, but they call him Braun Breaker. So, like, man, it's like they, they had something they, with they, him. They, but they, they can't trademark, you know. They can't trade trademark uh, the Steiner name. They can trademark Braun Breaker. I'm hearing, and I don't know if this is true or not, but through the grapevine that supposedly they came up to some agreement with Rick about using the name Steiner. So I know that they don't, for whatever reason, have a great relationship with the Steiners, but looks like hopefully that can be redeemed because he's even like cutting promos saying that he's you know Steiners. He does all the Steiner brother moves, the clothesline, the uh, he even does Steiner recliner. Well, you know, he does. It's like everything is Steiner. He looks like a Steiner, but oh yeah, he's Braun Breaker. I'll tell you what. If they induct the Steiners into the Hall of Fame this year, then then I'll believe that they have a great relationship. They should be in the Hall of Fame. They might be. They should have. They should have been. They should have been in the Hall of Fame. Not not on the basis of their WWF stuff, which wasn't much, but um, yeah, but on the basis of everything else they've done. I don't know if I say they're the greatest tag team of all time, just because the Road Warriors are out there, but they might be my favorite of all time. The, I mean, they were the best tag team of their era. Yeah, no doubt. So, yeah, I mean, that's you know, that was kind of obvious. Um, I mean, there's you know, there's a lot of you know, there's there's a lot of people that uh, I mean, they're they're trying with these, uh, you know, they're they're using some of these uh, historical, you know, Hall of Fame. They're putting people in the Hall of Fame 
on the legends ballot or whatever, where they don't have to have them in at the, you know, in, have them inducted and give a speech. And I think that's, uh, you know, covered a lot of, uh, a lot of spot, spots that, uh, you know, that were sort of gaping holes in that hall of fame. Definitely. And it's funny. I talked to Barbara Goodish probably last year and I had mentioned like, Hey, you know, what was it like to finally get recognized by WB and, you know, for Bruiser Brody, for your husband, hall of fame had no idea was never told like i was like oh my god i guess i'm like breaking news to you. it's like what the hell they never told you it's like that's crazy yeah i mean yeah you think you think that they would have dropped them you, know, you think they would have dropped her a postcard or something hey you know um hey yeah we recognized your husband uh he's a member of the wwe hall of fame congratulations here's your 25 percent off discount for you know for uh i don't know for the for the house show coming through i don't know i don't know how they do it but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I think it also helped a lot when, you know, when I think it helped their, the impression of WWE when Triple H went to Bruno San Martino personally and, and, you know, and sort of sort of stroked him a little and said, you know, we really, you know, this this Hall of Fame needs you. We, we you know, we we need you to do this. You're part of our history. I, I think that. Uh, I think that that helped. I mean, I, I think that, you know, this, I think people saw WWE making an effort to, you know, recognize their history. And, and supposedly Bruno, supposedly Bruno got seven figures plus for that. So, well, then he, then he negotiated that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, man, it's just, when you look at that hall of fame, it's like, man, yeah, obviously them not inducting Savage when he was alive. And uh, they always seem to screw that up. For whatever that's reason, Vince. I mean, that's that's Vince. You know, he's. I mean, you're you're getting him. You know, I mean, it, it depends on whatever he's thinking the day that you ask him about it. And that's. You know, I mean, the, the I mean, you can you know, you could maybe get something that's you know that I mean that's unimportant in there, but you know that that Vince doesn't care about either way. But you know, if Vince holds a grudge against somebody, then um, yeah, you know, then they're not getting in. Do you watch AEW at all? I know you don't watch too much current wrestling. I'm behind. I'm, I'm, you know, I was trying to watch it these past few weeks. I'm behind. I am like, I'm like a week behind. I haven't seen, I've got the, uh, the Grand Slam shows both on my DVR. And, you know, at some point when I get a rest and I, I'll, I'll watch them. But right now it's at the point I wake up. I've got to, I've got to get my daughter up. Uh, you know, I got a wolf down, you know, got a wolf down breakfast, get out the door. I come home from work. I got to, you know, got to play with my kids. Uh, got to watch them, you know, so, so my wife can work to make dinner. And then, you know, I'm spending more time with them. And then I'm, you know, and I'm telling bedtime stories and putting them to bed and changing diapers and all that stuff. I mean, you know, I, I, it's, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of free moments here. I gotcha. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, I'm sorry. I, 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 you know, when when I talked to you about doing this, I I told you I'm not. I'm personally not that interesting, and you know that's <laughs> that's the case. I mean, right now, I mean, there's there's plenty going on, you know, but there's not a lot of the. You know, there's not a lot that you'd go and buy a novel about. So as we hit the wind down and, and head towards the finish, because I know you probably need to uh, get some sleep. You got a lot going on, but just some quick hitters I'm for sorry, you. Was that was that not subtle enough? <laughs> no, I'm, no, we're good, John. Go ahead. Well, I'll give you some quick hitters here because I'm just okay. just curious. So, give me your favorite match, or maybe just a couple favorite matches of all time. 
Oh, geez. Um, well, I mean, I, I have a fondness for, for stuff that I saw live. Um, I'm going to say, uh, you know, SummerSlam 2005, Cena and Jericho and, uh, and Hogan and Michaels. Those, those were crazy. I was there as well. Uh, yep. Uh, let's see. Backlash 2000, that entire show, plus, you know, uh, Rock and Triple H and, and Austin driving the bus in. Uh, you know, uh, Super Brawl 3, uh, getting to see Vader and Sting in the strap match. And, you know, that was, uh, very physical and, and, you know, very, very brutal. I, I, lo- I love that. Might be the greatest uh, pay per view of all time. Yeah. Um, some Ring of Honor stuff. Uh, I got to, uh, Ring of Honor came to Virginia and I got to see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to mess up the six man, but I think it was Morishima, Kenta, and Go Shiyazaki against, uh, the No Remorse Corps, which was Davy Richards, Roddy Strong, and Rocky Romero. That was, yeah, I mean, that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I probably, I've probably forgotten a bunch of them. Um, but, you know, those off the top of my head, you know, that was, I mean, those were, those were great matches. Um, Austin versus Rock. Uh, I, the build up to WrestleMania 2000 was fantastic, although WrestleMania 2000 was not. Awful. Uh, yep. let's see. Yeah. Uh, the Summer of Punk, which was, you know, probably, uh, that's probably Gabe Sapolsky and CM Punk's finest work together. Where they're, you know, where they're, where everybody knows that Punk is going to WWE, but they, they dragged it out and, you know, and, and teased it and made it really interesting until the exact moment that he lost the belt. Yep. I tried uh, to go to as many shows as possible because we wanted to be, me and my buddy, we wanted to be a part of like the title change. So, you know, he's wrestling Jay Lethal in Long Island. You think Jay Lethal's going to win the, the title and he escapes again. Great stuff. Yeah, that was that was yeah that was a great show. That was that could be something that uh, ends up on Wayback Playback if you kids vote for it. Yeah, Ooh, I, like I, I, I would have Damn. no problem doing that show. I like that. Nice, man. I love to love me some uh, Ring of Honor. Love the Summer of Punk and anything yeah, we, Danielson's title reign. I mean, anything that was great as well. I mean, we we have not done any we have not done any Ring of Honor shows, and we've I think we've only done one uh, TNA show. Um. But yeah, you know, but I mean that you know that will probably change eventually. But yeah, you know, but uh, I I'm open to it. Uh, anything you know, I mean we've we've done uh, we did Battle of the Belts. We've done you know Super the first Super Clash. Uh, you know, it's, I mean we're you know the the whole idea is uh, you know and anything uh, anything that's uh, good and interesting and fun. And, you know, or something that you haven't seen or something that you you've seen but haven't seen in 25 years. That's, you know, that's the podcast right there. That's that's way back, way back. Love it. Who is your favorite wrestler of all time or wrestlers? Oh, geez. Um, I'm going to. Uh, I, yeah, there's just there are a lot. Um, let's see. I, 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 I mean, I don't, I don't feel it's actually fair just to, I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to just like pick one, um, you know, cause I, I remember things I've, I've enjoyed about a lot of, I, I think, you know, I think the rock, I think, um, I think Ric Flair, uh, you know, 
I mean, I, I appreciate what Hogan's what Ho, a lot of what Hogan did. I'm I'm you know back in the eighties. I'm not he, I he wasn't my favorite. Um, uh, Kurt Hennig back when he you know back when he was really good. I you know I I enjoyed him. There's you know not really there are not really that many like him today. Uh, Brian Danielson, uh, you know. Uh, despite his personality, Austin Aries was always fun. Samoa Joe. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I could I could probably keep going and come up with about fifty of them, but yeah, it's um, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's just it's hard to pick uh, just one, and I would and I wouldn't want to. I you know I've I've enjoyed so many different types of matches and different types of wrestling for, for different people. And I, you know, I appreciate uh, the vast majority of it. Even, even the really bad stuff can be entertaining. What about your favorite time period in wrestling or maybe, you know, like an era of wrestling? Was it, was it the Monday I, Night Wars? I wish I had been paying closer attention to uh, the era from, I'm going to say like 83 to 86. I mean, and it's and you know part of the story is is WWF taking over, but I mean there were all these, there were all these territories. You know, there I mean there were five or six trying to you know trying to build up to fight WWE. They're 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 pushing each other. Um, there was you know there was so much different stuff to watch if only you had the ability. I mean, not that many people had had cable or satellite back then. So that's that's something I'm trying to you know that's something I'm. I've got an interest in and I'm, I'm trying to learn more and watch more about it. Uh, you know, the, the Monday night wars, that was, uh, that was great for a few years. Um, not every part of the Monday night wars was great, but, uh, it was, yeah, it was enjoyable. Um, you know, the, uh, the, that whole 88 through, through 90, 91 period, uh, that was a lot of fun for me. But I mean, I usually end up thinking of where I was as a person rather than you know where the where the wrestling where the wrestling business was. As far as you and like you mentioned, obviously way back playback, but what's coming up next? Anything to be looking out for? Anything exciting? Well, my my kids are going to grow up, and I will probably do you know I will probably end up doing more. Um, I don't know, you know, I. I I mean, I love doing Wayback Playback. I love doing it with Jim. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad that it looks like you know if we do end the show, it will be with well with both of us alive, which is something that was not always guaranteed. Um, it's, I mean, I yeah, I, I this was this was the show that I thought I could you know, I this is the show that I thought I could do forever, and you know, we we might end up doing that. I don't know if I want to go back to doing. I mean, I loved doing a call-in show. I don't know that I don't know if pro wrestling is necessarily cut out for that. Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know your opinion on 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 listening to to old live cast stuff that we did. I know Wade was a big fan of the first podcast I did on the torch, which was called the the Real Deal with Pat McNeil, which was you know, I mean, it probably notable because it was one of the the first podcasts and because it was you know, it was the sort of goofy morning zoo type character that I I kind of do so. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what's next for me in, in terms of in terms of the wrestling business or wrestling podcasts. Um, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, it's 
it's not like I have free time and it's not like my services are in high demand, but uh, you know, I, I'm going to keep doing something. That, that, that's all I can tell you. I think that sometimes the wrestling fans are a little bit too unpredictable as far as the call in. Well, yeah, well, that was part of the fun of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, let's see. I mean, yeah, yeah there were some uh, there were some great and, and there were a lot of great and a lot of not so great moments on the show. Like there was this whenever Disco Inferno was a guest, there was always this uh, there was always this this guy who, who called in and, and, you know, start out with a serious question and then as, uh, then accuse him of uh, of uh, propositioning teenage boys or something, you know. <laughs> But it's it's disco. You you you, know, you you understand what you can get. Um, you know I, <laughs> I I I did a couple of podcasts where Johnny Gargano and Johnny Fairplay were on at the same time. And you know the first time I did that podcast, you know, you know Fairplay talks to me afterwards like that guy's so boring. He's never gonna make it. And I was like, well, he made it. Uh, you know, he's. I mean, what Gargano's one of the, one of those guys that watching where he started compared to where he is now. It's just. Uh, it, it's very gratifying to see, you know, to see people start at the bottom and, and end up doing well. Uh, I think that's one of the things I, and I think that's one of the things I enjoyed about, you know, that's one of the things I have fond memories about is, you know, from, from being a promoter uh, is, is that, you know, uh, let me see, uh, you know, being there for, for Mickey James's first match, which was, uh, and, and, you know, doing an angle on one of the first shows she appeared on. Where she uh, ended up, you know, where she ended up uh, punching me in the gonads, but you know, it, it was still it was still memorable in that way. <laughs> uh, you know, watching uh, you know watching Drew Hankinson, uh, you know, start from just being this you know this this nice guy and turning and you know turning into Luke Gallows, who is uh, you know it, 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 you know being the being the person that we you know the person that we knew he could be with the uh, personality turned all the way up. You know, watching uh, watching the Swerve, watching Shane Strickland go from working uh, from working a little uh, little high school in West Virginia for Shane, and you know, into becoming uh, into be being on the big stage, and, and yeah, you know, I mean that's that sort of thing's great. So for everybody there out there that wants to follow the podcast, wants to follow you, give us all the plugs, social media, wayback playback, everything you got. I, I don't have that many plugs, honestly. I mean, my my Twitter account is at real Pat McNeil, M C N E I L L. Uh, if you can put up with the the stuff that I talk about that's not wrestling, I will, uh, you know, you'll you'll find out more about the uh, more about more about the podcast. Um, I'm also on Instagram at real Pat McNeil, and I need to use Instagram to promote the wrestling stuff more because I know a lot of people are on it. I just just one of those things that you know falls between the cracks. Um, let's see, we have a Facebook page. Uh, Facebook.com slash Wayback Playback Podcast. We have a patron, patron.com slash Wayback Playback, where you can get, you know, you get the show, you get the entire Wayback Playback archives, you get bonus shows, you get uh, you get shows in advance and ad-free, you know, the, us- the usual patron stuff that you get. Uh, I think that's, um, I think those are the main things. Uh, and, you know, Wayback Playback is available on uh Pretty much all the major podcasting sites. It's distributed by uh, by Joe Feeney and Creative Control Network. So you can follow all Joe's stuff at the CC Network One on on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I mean it's not it's not that hard to find me if if you're if you're looking for me and uh, you know ask, ask questions and I will I will try to answer them. 
Great stuff, Pat. Thank you so much uh, for all the time. Really appreciate it. And listen to uh, listen to all of John's podcasts. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it. It's almost a full-time job, but do it. Thank you so much, Pat, for all the time. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, John. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.